everyone, all my beautiful people. This week's episode is really special to me. I feel like I say that every time, but seriously, I am speaking with Logan Renwick, who is one of my great, great friends and future husbands. Logan is the type of person that you look to who is always smiling, always laughing, has the most infectious laugh. He competed in track and field. He likes to say, not really any track, mostly field. Um, He was a jumper at Notre Dame. We connected through Traverse. What's new? (laughs) Um, We talked about transition between sports to life and how Notre Dame helped shape that for him, how his experiences and the people that were in his life helped shape that and where he's at now. Logan does a really good job of speaking to not only former athletes, but speaking to all people, speaking to people who are going through transitions, whether you competed in a sport, switching jobs, played an instrument, whatever it is, the importance in finding passions and hobbies and trying new things, going out of your comfort zone and meeting new people. I hope everyone enjoys and have a good week. Happy Labor Day weekend. some rosé. Really excited to be here with Logan. We met at Traverse. What's new? All my friends are from the same place. Um, (laughs) But really excited. Logan did track. Ran track. Did track. I didn't really run. I I ran like 110 feet. (laughs) But really excited to pick his brain and hear about his experiences. First track and field athlete that we have on the podcast. Welcome. Rep in. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. So, wanted to start. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you competed in, and how long you've been done. I ran track at the University of Notre Dame, um, where I specialized in the long jump and triple jump. Um, so, for those that don't know what those <laughs> events are, because they're not the most popular and not the most popular sport. <laughs> um, Long jump is where you just run down the runway and you jump into the sand pit. They measure from the board to where you land. Triple jump is three phases, so people sometimes are familiar with the the terms like hop, skip, and a jump. So you jump, jump, and then jump into the pit. So I did those two events in college, sometimes sprinted, but yeah, mainly those two. And then I also hurdled in high school. So like half the schools that I was recruited by were looking at me for multi-events, which is like decathlon. The other half for, for just long and triple and... Um, ended up just doing those two at Notre Dame. So yeah, I, I did those in college, which was super fun. I majored in engineering, so like juggling the two was a pain in the ass, but um, <laughs> ended up working out. So yeah, graduated with my degree in mechanical engineering after four years, competed all four years, um, was captain my senior year. Yeah, I loved it. I had a great experience. What other schools were you, or I guess what areas were you looking towards? So I'm the youngest of four siblings. Um, and all of my siblings went to Penn State, so I was like 
very much going to go to Penn State. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then through the recruiting process, visited a bunch of different schools, like Notre Dame, obviously. Um, University of Virginia was like in the top of my list. Um, Cornell, University of North Carolina. So I was like convinced I was going to go to Penn State. Then I took my official visit to Notre Dame because my mom was like, this is, was my dream school. Like you have to take a visit if they're recruiting you. Um, and then just like totally fell in love with it. I like finished the visit and I was like, I'm, I'm really sad. And my mom's like, why? And I was like, cause I want to go here. <laughs> um, but it was just like, like the community, the team, um, the, obviously the academics, just like all of that paired together. I just fell in love with the school and um, ended up going there and, and had an awesome experience. So when you were done, I don't know, as far as soccer goes, like there's a lot of areas you can compete after um, internationally, more so for men. Um, for women in the U.S., it's super competitive if you want to be at a high level. Uh, is it like that for track and field? No, and it, I think like it's interesting because it, it totally, I think, changes your mindset while you're competing because there's not really a great professional, like, league for track and if you are competing internationally it's like the top 0.001 percent of athletes um, like I had a bunch of teammates who competed post-collegiately and like they were you know finishing in the top 10 nationally and like they were still you know you know not the top when you're competing internationally and like finding difficulty getting sponsorship deals and that kind of stuff so you kind of know when you're competing like especially as a, a sport where it's the Olympics and that's it, that this is kind of your career. And and I think that just like shapes the way that you approach athletics in college. Like I, I knew that I had to find like a plan B. Like I, obviously you have the dream of like going to the Olympics someday and like making a career out of it, but the likelihood of that happening is so small that it's like, okay, I'm gonna have to do something else after this is over. Did you have hobbies in college or growing up that you still carried on through when you were done? Or did you kind of pick up new hobbies? So I, I was a three-sport athlete in high school. I did track, football, and basketball. I stopped playing football after my uh, sophomore year because I had a stress fracture in my L5 vertebrae. So I just did basketball and track um, my last two years. And then obviously just track in college. But that's like another like weird thing about track is you're not – just like going to track meets on the weekends after you're done competing, like that doesn't exist. So I definitely had to find like other competitive outlets. And so volleyball has definitely become that for me. Logan is quite the volleyball <laughs> athlete. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun and like obviously leverages my jumping skills, but something that I never did competitively before um, college. So it's been fun to like get better at something um, because like, you know, you, you're constantly like striving to, to improve in your sport when you're competing. So to find something like that, that is that competitive outlet as well has been super fun to get involved in. Did you get involved in that in Denver? Yeah, the, the rec leagues out here are like incredible um, and like span a, a very wide range of talents. So yeah, it's, it was something that kind of just, I fell into and have really enjoyed uh, participating in. For soccer, I know a lot of people, and myself included, when I was done, I didn't want to touch a ball for a bit. I definitely like would go play a lot sooner than I think some of my friends would, but um, I know like a lot of people don't want to watch it, don't want to compete or play. Is that 
your experience as well? Obviously, it's, obviously it's different. Yeah, so yeah. You just like go to the track to. Yeah, I think like I'm I'm obviously still a fan of the sport and and like keep up with you know the people that are in the top in the U.S. and internationally. Um, and then I, I had a lot of like I said teammates who competed post collegiately or you know still in college that I would keep tabs on. I stayed close to the sport in that aspect from like a training aspect because track is is different in the sense that like we're we're not always practicing what we actually do. Um, It's a lot of like lifting, conditioning, sprinting, and then we like mix in technical work, but your body just like can't handle that all the time. When I think about my sport, I think almost more about like the training and I definitely did not want to do that after college. Like, I did not want to put a barbell on my back. Like, I was so over squatting and like cleaning and, and snatching and like all of that stuff. So it's it's ironic that we met through Traverse because now it's like I'm I'm back into that and I've like fallen back in love with all of that stuff. But for a while, I was like, I do not want to like step foot in a gym. I don't want to train. I just want to hang out, drink beer, and have fun. <laughs> You go from waking up every day, I don't know what time we'll practice, but like that was the first thing we would do. And so waking up every day and practicing for a purpose, even sometimes like when I'm working out, people are yelling at me to go faster, go harder. And I'm like, okay, sometimes yes, I should go faster or whatever, but I'm like, I'm fucking giving everything I have (laughs) because I don't, I don't know how to just come into workouts and not Mm -hmm. go a hundred percent because I've never been able to do that unless it's I go in and it's a recovery day and I know it's a recovery day or I go in and I'm like sore and I'm just here to shake up my legs but that was definitely something I struggled with of like finding something I don't get bored of something that I'm not getting annoyed Mm -hmm. and then also I'm not like as fit as I used to be maybe now I am but for a while I was like there's no way I was able to like keep the same time yeah well it's also funny too because you spend your entire life doing physical activity and training and all these things. And I realized, like, after I graduated, I was like, I don't know how to work out. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, still, I, I like coach, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to, like, I don't know what I want to do today. <laughs> yeah. So I would, like, go to a gym and aimlessly walk around and, like, like well, I guess I'll lift this today. Um, and that was, like, just so inefficient, and, like, I was not having any progress or anything. And so, this has been my first experience with group fit fitness, which is like the closest thing that I've found to like a sport community. And that's why I've fallen in love with it so much is like, you do have the people pushing you when you're having a shitty day and you come into the gym, it's like easier to pick yourself up and motivate yourself because everyone else around you is working hard. And I think that was like a big shift for me after college of like, how do I find that again? Cause otherwise like, it, it's like really hard to be motivated. <laughs> So I, th- I think it is a very unique space in the way that we all have different things that our purpose or goal is. But I mean, in Colorado, like you play, you're outside a lot, you ski, mm-hmm. you play volleyball outside. And that's what I love about here is that everyone works out so they can do things yeah. rather than like work out to look good, which is also a great, I mean, whatever your purpose is, is great. But I think like for me, it's easier to get up in the morning when I don't want to, because mm-hmm. I know that it'll benefit me when I am outside doing yeah. things. I'm kind of curious too about your teammates as far as how does like the track team dynamic work? Because mm-hmm. you probably practice at different times with different people. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, so that was like a really tough thing for me to transition from high school to college is in, in high school it was kind of just this like amorphous group like everyone did like different events it wasn't like you weren't pigeonholed into these different groups and everything was like dual meets where you're contributing to a team score and like a record and then you move on to like bigger competitions and states and stuff where it gets like more individual at those levels. But throughout the season, it was like very much a team aspect. And that was what motivated me playing other team sports like basketball and football. Like I had that mentality and was motivated by that more than like my individual success. But then moving to college, you're very like siloed into your event group. The jumps team was long jump, triple jump, high jump, pole vault, uh, multi-eventers. And we all trained together horizontal versus vertical jumpers would train at different times potentially but for the most part when we're doing like group workouts it was it was our group and then you have the sprinters that they'd train together the distance runners they would train together the throwers they would train together you'd ultimately go to the same competitions but your team and the people that you were closest with were your event group people and then every single competition was individual basically other than conference championship you had to be very self-motivated to be like well i'm (laughs) my success is based on my individual performance and that's all that really matters right now and i really struggled with that because i was like i i'm not super motivated by this so that was a really big mental shift for me i loved the conference meets so we were in the big east my first three years and then when that dissolved we moved to the acc my senior year we won two big east championships while i was there um, I won an individual triple jump title my sophomore year. <laughs> and then um, when we competed in the ACC, we were runners up indoor and outdoor. And they've, they've continued to, to achieve great success. The cross country team was runner, national runners up this year. And they've had some really good people. They have a few Olympians this year. It was an awesome program to be a part of. Cool coaching staff. I'm still super close with my jumps coach. It's just like a very interesting mental shift from high school to college and like figuring out how to navigate that and like yeah. be, be motivated and you know continue to, to perform at a high level but like in a very different context. How do you think that's translated into your life now and maybe even work? <clears throat> I know that you work for Stryker, which was where you interned. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I was a mechanical engineering major with a concentration in biomechanics. Cool. And I was one of the weird kids that like I knew what I wanted to do I interned with the company I wanted to work for, and then I work for them now, and I've been working for them for seven years. <laughs> um, so, That's like incredible. the opposite of every millennial ever. So, I I work in new product development for their sports medicine division, which is pretty cool because so we design the implants and instrumentation that surgeons use for sports related procedures, like ACL reconstruction. Um, rotator cuff repair and labral repairs so like things that were really relevant to my sports career because like I knew so many people that had those procedures thank god knock on wood I've I've never had any of them so it was like really relevant to what my life was up until that point I worked with a bunch of engineers I now manage new product development projects and everything is very team-based so like I manage a team of engineers that design and manufacture these products it's it's actually really relevant to like my career in track because I'm, I'm an individual contributor and my performance is based on like my individual contributions to the business. My success is still, you know, determined by the success of our team and how we can work together to launch these products. 
I've definitely leveraged a lot of those skills that I learned in athletics in my professional career. And honestly, like I don't even use my education that much anymore. Um, so I think a lot of those soft skills have been like even more relevant, which is really cool. What was the hardest transition for you when you went from, did you intern for them when you were done competing or did, was it like summer in between? Yeah, it was the summer after my junior year. Okay. I interned with them in New Jersey and then I was fortunate enough to get a full-time offer after that internship. So I was like, all right, cool, senior year, I already have a job. Um, but How was that transition working from, because were you in an office before COVID? Yes. I really struggled with that because I thrive on like the personal interaction piece and actually I was just talking to my boss about that today where I was like we we got sent home in March when like the world shut down it was like April and I was like Paul realistically like when do you think we're going back into the office and he's like I don't think until June and I was like Paul I'm not gonna make it to June <laughs> and like here we are a year and a half later and we're still working remotely I think we've all learned to adapt we've figured out ways to be connected and in other ways virtually yeah I, I definitely thrive on that personal interaction piece and I think that is totally a reflection of the groups and I mean even like studying like I, I had like my core group of people that I would like do homework with and prepare for tests with that team aspect is definitely important to me have you ever voiced I miss track or I miss this and that to them or was it more so like everyone kind of went on their own yeah I mean I think we all miss competing there's definitely like the competitive aspect that you you lose when you're done competing like obviously volleyball like I said is my competitive outlet but at the end of the day like it doesn't matter <laughs> I miss the feeling of the nerves and like the pressure before a competition I definitely just I think miss more the like camaraderie that you build I'm still close with a lot of my teammates they're awesome people I think the cool thing about Notre Dame is like everyone's from different areas we're all spread across the country so like I get to visit a bunch of cool places um, when I hang out with them, but um, I, yeah, I love... Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, I just accidentally called me on one of them. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Okay, continue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely miss that like com competitiveness. And I, like, like I said, I think Traverse has also provided a little bit of an outlet for me here. Yeah. I get like nervous before workouts, like I used to get nervous for competitions. Um, so I, I do like having that a little bit back in my life. What was the one thing you missed the most about being in that environment? Besides, obviously we already spoke to the competition. Mm -hmm. I think just having like a really tangible goal you work an entire season for a conference championship and like the NCAA championship and like you want to get get to that point and be successful and there are tangible goals in other areas of life, life post-athletics but nothing that you're so narrowly focused on like you can have a fitness goal of like oh I want to you know lose x amount of weight or I want to get my mile time down to this or like I want to get a promotion in my job or whatever but everything was over an entire school year was like for this goal um, and I think I miss having that like single tangible goal yeah I know the exact dates that I'm like trying to aim for these mm -hmm. certain goals and then you know okay during this on this day of the week this is what I will be doing 
like the consistency yeah. of your schedule because of your goal worked backwards is so nice. It yeah, was, for sure. And like I think one of your other guests I, when I was listening to talked about this, but like I was so much more successful in school when I was in season, which is like mm-hmm. ironic. Um, because I think I had like such a regimented schedule. I was like, I'm gonna be training this much, like every day, I'm gonna be at this meet, these weekends. I know I have to be like super focused and get this work done. And when we were off season and I like had more free time, I would just like screw around and not be successful. So coming into the real world and being like, oh shit, I don't have someone who's controlling all of my things and like telling me what to do. I don't know what to do with this freedom. (laughs) Even now I still struggle. Like I find that I fill my schedule up and I've tried to be more intentional about it. Today I had like a couple hours. I got some things done. And I just realized I started my laundry, but I didn't switch it over. <laughs> and in my head, I'm not efficient, but it's like, you don't need to be efficient at all times. Mm-hmm. Like, it's healthy to just sit and read a book or like sit and lollygag around. I yeah. sat and like talked to my roommates, which I haven't done in so long. And mm-hmm. I think about like, what have I missed out on trying to make my life as efficient as possible? Because that's what I've known. Yeah. I call it like post-college PTSD. I like can't enjoy free time because I feel guilty that I'm not doing something else because it's been so ingrained in your brain for so long that you're like, I have to use every second of the day. (laughs) Like I shouldn't have free time because if I have free time, I'm not working hard, Mm -hmm. which is like not correlated, irrelevant to each other. And I think there is relevancy in certain aspects, but I don't think it's imperative that free time does not exist. Because then I lack creativity I lack the things that I think make me happy Mm -hmm. even in just like the last few years I think been comfortable being average which sounds weird like it took me a really long time after college to be like oh you don't have to be the best at everything you don't have to try 110% all of the time like run yourself into the ground yeah it's not, and you think about in season, well, in your sport, you have an on, like an off season. You have your season and an off season. When you get out of that, I felt like I was in my season all the time. Like, I'm like, you have to train every day. You have to eat healthy every day. You have to do whatever the goal is every day. And I would find that, like, I was checking less and less things off my list, and then I'd get less and less motivated more frustrated it's intentional time that's important but not necessarily like you can't have all your time be 100% filled and intentional yeah it's hard I think that's what's so great about Colorado though is that there's so much to explore that like I feel guilty when I'm not outside (laughs) but but it's like nice that we have that option to be able to like find more things to do that don't just include work and yeah whatever else Mm -hmm. you know what was one thing that helped you when you switched when you transitioned from track to work to life no track life i mean i think there's like the obvious answers of like oh my work ethic like allowed me to work hard at my job and excel in those areas the thing that I i struggled with and then like overcoming that helped me excel in the transition is the identity piece and you've talked about that a lot on on your other podcasts but like 
like when I was an intern, it was like, oh, I'm I'm a student athlete at Notre Dame. Like that's like kind of how I got this internship. <laughs> when I interviewed, it's like, oh, I, I would talk about that, how I worked hard and it was juggling these things and managing my schedule. And then when you're in the real world and you're working at your job, no one cares about that anymore. Um, it's still like a cool, relevant experience. It's not making me a better design engineer or project manager because I was a student athlete in Notre Dame. And so I think recognizing that and then being like, okay, what parts of my life now do I want to work hard at to help me achieve success? I need to identify those because this doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And what did you identify? Interpersonal relationship skills is like the biggest thing that has helped me in my career. You, you can be super smart. You can be super hardworking. You can be super like committed to, to your job. If people don't want to work with you, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you can be a, a great engineer, but you can be a terrible employee if people literally hate coming to work and being around you all the time. So I really was intentional about like making connections with people, even if it's outside of my specific role. It's like a cross-functional teammate. It's someone that I don't even interact with at all. Like If I go and have a conversation with them at, in the office, they're going to remember me. And if somewhere down the line like I can help them or they can help me like they're gonna be like oh yeah that one time I talked to Logan and we had this connection that stuff is so important and I don't think they stress that enough when you're in school it's so curriculum based no you just need to be a good person and, and people are gonna want to work with you and that's gonna make you successful I always think of networking as like my career but networking even like you can network in friendships of I'm moving to Denver does anyone know yeah anyone or oh I saw you lived in Denver or like I saw that's how it's been so relevant for me of like making connections and then from those connections like making more and I found friendships that I don't think I would have found if I yeah. hadn't met one person. Coming out of athletics and Notre Dame is such a tight-knit community it's like very easy to rest in your laurels oh I was an athlete and oh, I went to Notre Dame I'm gonna like build my network based off of that because it's my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And that was another thing that I learned, I think, pretty quickly coming out here because people are from all over the place. It's like, no, step outside of that comfort zone. Go to a volleyball league where you know no one and like meet new people. Go to a gym where you don't know anyone and meet new people. And you end up just like broadening your network. And Tomorrow's ways. your one year. Yeah. Tomorrow's like one year <laughs> at Traverse. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you like you make connections that you never thought like could benefit you. That's in ways that are outside of career or whatever. It's personal life connections that make you a better person. Of like, oh, I've never considered that perspective because I was surrounding myself with people who are very like-minded of me. And bringing that diversity of thought into your life, I think, is is just like totally blown my mind and allowed me to to grow as a human which has been really cool like I said yeah coming out of college I was like all of my friends went to Notre Dame or all of my friends were athletes and it's like no let's maybe step outside of that and like and extend the, the connections did you have any NARP friends at Notre Dame <laughs> I had a few and like we would come home from class and we'd be like we made a friend today that on the team <laughs> Yeah. And it was like a huge celebration because it's so hard to do. <laughs> so that was honestly one of my favorite things about Notre Dame is they would put you in random dorms, no matter if you're an athlete or a regular oh, wow. student. 
and we don't have Greek life, so the and the dorms are single sex, hashtag Catholic University. The the dorms kind of became like frats and sororities. And so I lived with all non-athletes for well actually all four years. Um, but three years in the dorm and then my fourth year off campus. All of my engineering friends were non-athletes and, and those are like still some of my closest friends. I feel like my experience at Notre Dame definitely allowed me to like I'm so close with my track friends, but I also have like really, really deep friendships that have lasted out you know, past college with people who, who weren't in athletics. Do you think having a different perspective, not necessarily for yourself, but like your friends and you were able to see that life helped you when you retired yeah. and graduated? Yeah, for sure. Because I think like it probably made that transition of like, oh, no one gives a shit that you were an athlete easier because when I was studying with my engineering friends or, you know, hanging out with my dorm friends, it's like, yeah, it's cool that like you're on the track team, but that's not like why we're friends with you. Like, you need to bring more to the table than that. <laughs> we don't care about it. <laughs> it's cool when people see you, like, when they know you as Logan who played track, but like they met you just as Logan, their uh-huh. roommate, or Logan, like, in their class. And so then when you were done, to your teammates, you might you met them as Logan who played track, but to like your classmates, you were yeah. just Logan who played track or yeah. you ran track. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean I was always motivated by like defying stereotypes, and I think it was really important for me to have connections outside of the athletics community because people are gonna see me like walk in in my issue gear and like oh this kid's probably a dumbass like he probably didn't get into Notre Dame like on his own. Um, and I was like, no, I'm gonna like prove people wrong. Like yeah. that I'm a smart kid. Like I'm gonna crush this class. I'm gonna get good grades. And I think that also was like hard for me after college. Oh, I don't have a stereotype that I need to defy anymore. I lacked that that motivational factor. So it's like finding your purpose and your why. Of like, why do I want to work hard when? For my, for my life, it was always like, oh, I want to prove to people that I'm more than just an athlete. I'm more yeah. than just a dumb jock. So that was, that was definitely a challenge, too. A lot of the professors at College of Charleston were, like, super understanding, but there was a few who I'm sure have had bad experiences, interactions with athletes, or experiences that, like, don't reflect us as a whole. And it was also frustrating when I'm like, I don't think you understand. I have been up since 5 a.m., 6 a.m., mm-hmm to do my homework so I could do that before practice or got up to go get treatment so then I could go to practice and I just parked an, a mile away and biked here. I still have grass in my hair <laughs> and I biked with these ice bags. Yes. I don't know why you're looking at me <laughs> when these kids just woke up or this girl just waltz into class 20 minutes late because she slept through her alarm. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. Like I've been up for seven hours already. My identity wasn't just athletics, like, yeah. I'm also smart. Yeah. I was also talking to one of my coworkers today about this, and I think this is totally a, a result of athletics in college, too, is, like, imposter syndrome. Like, I constantly am, like, how am I here right now? Like, I, I don't deserve this. Like, I, I'm not smart enough to be in this role. Like, I haven't worked hard enough to be in this position. And I think a lot of that comes oh, I went to Notre Dame, and, like, I was an athlete, and these kids are so much smarter than me. Like, I need to work ten times as hard just to be as good as them because I never felt like I deserved to be in those roles. And 
I don't know if like other athletes felt that. I but I, that. yeah, I, like I, I think that there's just this perception of like, oh, you guys all got in here because of sports, not because of how smart you are. And I've definitely like maybe that's motivating, but it's also like exhausting as yeah. a as a person a- after college to constantly be like, oh, I don't I don't deserve this. I shouldn't. It's like no, you're you're badass. Like you worked hard. You you deserve to be where you are. You deserve the success that you've earned. And in all sports, you're always compared to the best time, mm-hmm. someone else's time, your last time, your time that you should be getting, there's always a, a better person, a better athlete, and same in school, like there's always a smarter student. The imposter syndrome creeps in, but then it's only when you take into account one aspect, like you don't take into account, like you're really great at talking to people, you have great interpersonal skills, time management is off the charts, and you're smart and work hard. Like. I think if you lack working hard, but you're really smart, well, you're only going to get so far. Yeah, I feel like even in like the recruiting process, once I was at Notre Dame, my ability was based off of like my best performance, or like in a in a team sport, like my highlight type, where it shows like your best plays yes. ever, and then you like get into school there, you're like expected to perform at that level, and you're like, oh god, like I hope they don't. Do <laughs> yeah. Like, blah, blah. yeah. <laughs> So you're like, oh, and it's man. a high. I mean, it's a highlight reel, but it's the best of you. Yeah. Motion to like a minute and a half. Yeah, and then you're competing against people who like are in the exact same boat, but you're yeah. like, oh, that person is way better than me. Well, you're not the best anymore. Yeah. Like in high school, I'm sure you had the same. You would go to meets, and you're probably one of the best at the meets. There's a few other kids maybe in the area in the region that you knew of. Mm-hmm. Our club team was really good, and then. We went to college, I'm like, everyone's good. Like, there's not much that separates you. Yeah. In high school, it's like, oh, I could have an off day and still win or be competitive. And, like, in college, you have to be at your best just to be competitive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Every day. (laughs) And your best in, like, school and your best in recovery and your best in nutrition, like, and your best at all times. Because I was never like, the tallest or the, the fastest, but I was bet your ass I will do one more sprint. Oh, yeah. If you're out here and you just did 20, I'll do 21. Mm-hmm. I will do everything I can to control my fitness and control like, my grades or whatever, but you seem like you're the same as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's how a lot of people are because you just know yeah. who's behind you and who's in front of you mm-hmm. and where you need to be. I find in the workplace too, I'm like, you don't have to do that. Yeah, and I like I think that's, myself, like, that's like what I was saying before of like, it's okay to be average, yeah. like, which sounds so contrary to everything that we're always taught, yes. but it's like, you cannot maintain that level and expect to have any type of like mental health. Yeah. <laughs> and like also too, you competed against everyone who was doing the same exact thing as you now in work, like you're hired in a different position than the other person you each bring something else to the table that's what i like realized here i'm never gonna be billy mm-hmm. ever i love you no billy. one can be billy <laughs> like what what one coach brings to the table yeah. is so different than someone else which is exactly why everyone's successful here and, I- and your strengths are going to resonate with some person who's Billy's strengths don't resonate with and Billy's vice versa <laughs> Billy, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Billy got a cute new shirt today. (laughs) And if you're listening to this, Billy, it looks great. (laughs) I already told him. 
in soccer, everyone was there for one common goal. And in work, your purpose is different. I don't have a family. Mostly everyone has families. Or like, my purpose right now isn't necessarily providing for my family. It's providing for myself so I can finish school. I can't even compare because competing is not feasible. Yeah. Which is weird. Societally, that is like an attitude that we have, especially in this country, of like, always comparing ourselves and always competing, but I think it's hyper-competitive in the environments that we grew up in, like being college athletes. That's all we know. Shifting that mindset and like understanding like, oh, okay, I have strengths that are different than this person's strengths, and I have goals that are different than this person's goals. I don't need to compare myself to this person to have my own success. There's room for success for everyone. Yes. I was listening to a podcast, and it was with Kristen Mal and Monica Podman, they were talking about there's 10 seats at the table, pull up more chairs. Just because you don't think you have a seat at the table doesn't mean you can't just pull up a chair and and figure it out. Like That's what I've found so much joy and hope in of, thank God I don't have to do it like my coach wants me to do it now. Like I can be creative and figure out what's my, what do I bring to the table? And even if there's not a chair for me, like how do I find a space at the table and then bring my Whatever I have. Yeah, and like like my win doesn't necessitate someone else's losing. Yeah. We can all win. <laughs> um, and we can win in different ways, and that's totally fine. Yeah. And I think like one person's win even adds more and helps another win. And so like getting out of the mindset of like competing against someone who's not even in the same race as me, and I'm yeah. not in the same race as them. Yeah. What's something you wish you knew now you're seven years out? I wish that I, this sounds terrible, but I wish I didn't try so hard. (laughs) Like I was so afraid at failing at everything in college that I just, I worked so much harder than I needed to, to have like the same success. And I feel like I made sacrifices that I probably like shouldn't have made to, to like achieve that just slightly incremental success. Which Um, I'm sure helps you though, like, in work and in life, like I'm sure it's taught you valuable. Yeah, lessons, for but sure. I, and I like, see what you mean, and like I don't, I don't like regret anything. But I'm also like, I, I could have like definitely had a higher level of mental health totally. in college if I just like gave myself a little more slack and like, yeah. you can go out that like one additional night a month. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but just like taking more risks and and like what our lives were during that period of yeah. time. Like, I've, I've realized that now of like, oh, if it's not comfortable and you want to go, like, do something and it ends up being shitty or, like, you don't have a good time or you don't meet someone or whatever, that's still okay. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and I, I think, like, I was just so afraid to take any risks in college yeah. that I, I'm like, no, yeah, give yourself the space to do that stuff. I was, like, scared to even try new things because I was like, well, I could be using that time to, like, get better. I'll be scared that I really like it and then I'm like, well, I don't have time for it mm-hmm. or I, I feel guilty that I'm enjoying it when I should just be enjoying soccer. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize that you can enjoy multiple things. It doesn't take away from the mm-hmm. other. When you're that age and you have, like, such a regimented schedule, you just do all of the things that you think you're supposed to do instead of doing the things that you actually want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who, like, still do that where I'm like, but like, why are you going to grad school? Or like, 
why are you taking that role? Or What's like, your purpose? Why are you changing your job? And it's like, well, because that's what I like. I need, like, I'm supposed to do, and like, that's what the next step is. And like, but is that actually what you're passionate about? Is that actually going to benefit you? And like, what your ultimate goal is? And I don't think people ask that question of themselves enough. And if at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, that's still what I want to do. Cool. But like, go through that process. Don't just fall into like those same habits and routines that like you feel comfortable with. Yeah. What is one thing that you wish was provided to you to help the transition? In college, both athletically and academically, the adults in your life are so focused on like what's happening presently. They don't have the foresight to be like, let's let's think about like what's gonna help this person in five years. And so I wish that I had like thought more just about what my passions truly were. Being an engineering major, I knew that I was gonna do this internship, I was gonna work for this company, like I wanted to go up this this ladder and I'm very I'm a very risk averse person. There should be some more exploration of like, hey, here's other options that you can consider. And like, why don't you think about that? There was no one like pushing you to do that. And maybe like, I mean, obviously there's the personal responsibility aspect of like own your own engagement, own your own passions and your own career, whatever. But you're a 21 year old kid, you don't know any better. Yeah. And so you kind of need those mentors to like help you with that. And I don't, I don't know if there's great resources um, that, that really like promote that mindset. Yeah. And I think like, having student athletes come back and talk to current student athletes of like, hey, this is something I struggled with. Like this conversation is like, what that we're having is like something that current student athletes should listen to and be like, it's okay if you are struggling with this and like yeah. you will encounter this and these are experiences that you will have and you'll be faced with. Because I think we were so used to like having a problem, tackling it, finding a solution yeah. and being successful. That when you get into the real world, you're like, oh, shit, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. There might not be a solution right <laughs> um, that, that That's okay. <laughs> in a game, if we weren't able to connect passes in the final third, the next week in practice, or the next two weeks, or the next month, we would work on that. Now, there's not drills you can really do when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, or drills you can do when you're trying to network, and like... We're always, we've always been solution focused and goal oriented. And I think sometimes like I definitely didn't have goals and therefore it was how can I be goal oriented if I don't have goals, I'm solution focused. If I don't have goals to like solve anything. What was um, your experience with like sports psychology or like mental health resources in college? Um, so we had the student counseling center. I never, I wish I would have taken advantage of it, but I didn't. Um, we did not have a sports psychologist. I think like our athletic trainers would refer us out if we needed. Mm -hmm. Um, we had like doctors and stuff and I know, I mean, there was a couple times my fifth year, I like wasn't sleeping and my heart like felt weird and I would, I was, I felt like I was like, my heart was like having palpitations mm -hmm. and I think I was just really anxious because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I was playing like shit, it shouldn't help. And I wouldn't sleep, and then I would be so fucking tired. Um, so I ended up going to my athletic trainer, and I was just like crying, and I was like, I'm exhausted, I can't sleep, and I'm so anxious, and I don't know what to do. 
And that's when she referred me to our doctor, which the next day, like it was so quick. Mm -hmm. Once I finally spoke up, um, which I think is something that is really advantageous in athletics. And I sat down with the doctor and it was one of the like, definitely like a screening, like, are you thinking about, you know, hurting yourself or suicide ideations and stuff like that. And I was nowhere, I don't think I was near that, but I was definitely like, I'm not sleeping at all. I'd say maybe two hours. And the one thing I like want to be good at, I'm not being good at. It took a lot for me to like admit that. And I almost was like embarrassed to tell my coach, even though I knew he knew, because obviously like they all talk. Mm -hmm. So that was my only experience with it. Of I talked to our team doctor and it honestly was like, like a weight off my shoulders and I really confided in my goalkeeper coach and it was nice because she was like I get it like um and I think that was kind of a wake-up call of like my heart doesn't feel good um and this type of anxiety isn't like healthy in the long term and my coach was also really good about like if you need to take time but I finally had a conversation with him and yeah I mean it was pretty minimal as far as psychologists and we didn't have sports psychologists, I, I think. I know my teammates saw some. It was all per- performance-based, yeah, though. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I like saw a therapist until I moved out to Denver. Mm-hmm. And I think I still struggle. She's so great. But like she wasn't an athlete, and so I struggled with the, like, I talked to her about my family, and I talked to her about and my everyday, like, with COVID and all of that, but I don't. I don't like get to break down the feelings and why I feel these things because of athletics. And and I think a lot of it goes back to before athletics, but like yeah. It's hard to explain to someone yeah, who doesn't have that perspective. Who doesn't have the perspective mm-hmm. and it's like she's so great at her job. But it's one of the like it's almost nice to hear it from someone else who's done it. I'm like, yeah, I have definitely like cried a ton and gone to my athletic trainer gone to my coach and I like almost quit my sophomore year like I didn't play in goal because I hated it people hearing during athletics I was not okay after athletics I was not okay and I'm definitely great now and I'm sure I'll have bad days and I definitely do have bad days but like I struggled with mental health during and after and before I guess for that matter but it was something that I didn't feel comfortable talking about until I was yeah. in fifth year. Yeah. Which is weird. And yeah. so. And I, I, I'm, I would be interested to know in athletic programs now because I think mental health and issues with mental health have been destigmatized a lot in the last five to ten years. Um, like if it is a more commonly available resources resource for hopefully students in general, but like also student athletes because. Yeah. We, we are under like a different type of pressure while we're in college, but it was, it was a similar experience at Notre Dame. Like we had a like athletic sports psychologist that like covered all sports. I mean, come on, that singular person is not going to be able to. There's like 200 <laughs> yeah. athletes. Our school was actually really good. Were you in SAC? Did mm-hmm. we talk about this? Yeah. Athletes would come back and talk about like, I work at an insurance company and this is how I got here and this is how I networked but I do wish it was like this is what I struggled with when I was yeah. in school and that's okay and I feel fine saying it now because I'm not worried that I'm not going to play that was my fear is like if I 
told my coach that I slept an hour and a half last night and there's no way I'm ready to play this game. But I'm not saying that. Yeah. Because I, I want to play. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I don't think that there was ever a forum for that type of conversation. Yeah. And, like, no one ever, like, it was like, yeah, we have a sports psychologist or whoever. And, like, yes, you could go to the student center and, like, talk to a doctor or whatever. But I don't think that they ever really made it a comfortable option yeah um where like we're already dealing with the fact that people stigmatize mental health and then for us to like admit a weakness when like our responsibility is to be strong (laughs) i I don't think it's a fair or realistic expectation yeah for kids that are 18 to 21 years old to be like hey actually i'm not doing okay so i think that's like that's definitely a resource that now can retroactively look and be like a little bit sad that that wasn't available but i also know that like times have changed and we've become much more comfortable like i've started going to therapy since moving to denver as well and it's been like so beneficial but i just think it would it would open so many doors for kids um to be like hey let's talk about this yeah and this is going to make me more successful in my sport and in my academic career like whatever so I, I, yeah, I, I hope that it's getting better at colleges, but I know it was like I just know if I say I'm not doing well, it's like oh well, okay, we'll just play someone else tonight and we can chat about it later. And it's like, well, they have a really good game and that's out of my control and it makes me really happy. But like, what if that's my last opportunity? Yeah, and I think it's an unfair expectation to put on coaches because they're totally. not trained psychologists. No. It's like. They're not gonna say the right things. They're not gonna do the right, right things. So it's like, I I think programs should have, like a staffed psychologist for each team or like whatever whatever that is. I know it's like obviously money and resources, but like, what what we go through is like trauma in yeah. college athletics. Like <laughs> to to expect that everyone is gonna be like mentally stable through that process is just mind-blowing. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate big, big-time athletes like saying, I'm not doing okay, and I'm actually going to like take time off yeah. from my sport. I'm actually going to take time off from social media and having that option. It's a privilege, but it's also like it's not. Like that is risking your career, yeah. risking your like everything you've ever built, and it's courage. Like I think that is like the biggest sign of courage. Like of course, if you have a broken leg, it's fine. Like, you're like, I've broken leg. Mm-hmm. But, like, if your brain is not, not broken, but if it's not, like... Allowing you to function yeah, and perform like, at your top level. You yeah. should be able to be in a place where you can admit that to someone or have a professional that that's what they're trained in. Yeah. Like, my coach was definitely not, and he did a great job of, like, comforting us. I cried to him a lot. <laughs> but, like, he was definitely not trained in that, and some of the things that we would disclose to him probably like he could go without hearing. Um, what is your favorite story about your time in Notre Dame? I mean, there's like the social life stories of just like great parties with my team. <laughs> um, but I think like athletically, my, fav- my like favorite memory is when we, so my sophomore year, we were in the Big East at that point in time, and like I said, I was just like super motivated by the, the team aspect, and that was like the one every year that like you were able to rally together and like feel all, all part of like one team. I won an individual Big East 
title in the triple jump that year, and we also won the team title, and we just like we crushed it. <laughs> like we destroyed everyone, um, and it, it was like it was actually kind of funny because like had I not won the triple jump, like we still would have won the meet, but because we just like everyone did so well. Uh, but it was just like such a cool moment. We like came into this meet like it was supposed to be close, and like everyone just crushed it at every event. It was like the only year that I was I was healthy too. Like I just struggled with injuries the rest of my career. Like, and so it was just like nice to to culminate everything with this like team win and individual accomplishment. Um, I think like my fa- my favorite memory in general at Notre Dame, which I'm sure there's like another memory, but this is the one that comes to mind, is we went to the national championship in football in 2012. I think it was. And we, we beat Oklahoma to, like, basically secure the number one seats. It was like, this was still BCS era. Like, we were going to go no matter what. And the entire campus, there's, like, this big fountain that's, like, a war memorial in the middle of campus. Like, just congregated this fountain. And, like, people are just running through. Like, my eventual roommate senior year, who's, like, still my best friend, there's, like, a big ball that's, like, a fountain in the top. I look up, he's on top of the ball shampooing himself. <laughs> There's news crews like filming everyone. There's very few moments I think at any school where you like feel fully a part of the community. And that was like a moment where I was just like, I fucking love this place. <laughs> and I love everyone that is here. And it's it's funny because at the end of the day, it's a football game and it's like we ended up getting crushed by Alabama in the national championship anyways. It wasn't the win. It's it, That was like the trigger of the event. But you're just like, oh, I love these people. I love the passion that everyone has. So I always remember that. And then I, I also like lost my clothes because we like took our clothes <laughs> off. To Classic go in the fountain and I was, Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And I was pretty bummed about it because we had like a shirt that they would you could buy but like the student section would wear and that and they that I had that shirt on and so I lost that shirt and I was like now I don't have that shirt from the year international championship but then flash forward like six years later I was at a alumni event and they were selling old shirts and I bought it to get back so all is good in the world (laughs) someone's out there like thank god So, last question before we get marks. <laughs> what is your walkout song of your life? Okay, so I told you. Logan's been really nervous I've been about really this. Really stressed out about this, like since she originally mentioned, like, "Hey, I want you to be on the podcast." I was like, "I don't know what my walkout song is." <laughs> so I've literally been like texting people, like, "Hey, if you could pick a song that would <laughs> be like exemplary, exemplary of me, what would it be?" And like literally, no one gave me good answers. Um, so I think that an appropriate one, Bubba Sparks and Miss Newport. Oh, that's a good one. Booty, 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 booty. Like it has to start with that. Like that's like yes. it gets people going. A mashup. And then that's good. and then like it then it breaks into the I found you and like people are grooving. I I think it's pretty perfect. Also, I didn't mention this, Logan is my future husband, um, and he has a really good booty. <laughs> oh, that is a good one. Yeah, I, I think it suffices. <laughs> did someone tell you that, or did you? No, I, I don't know why. 
So originally I was thinking super bass, um, Nicki Minaj, oh. and then I was like, but I only like that because I know all the words to the like both. It's like apps. a flex. Um, to sing all the words. Yeah, I definitely flex with it anytime it comes on. <laughs> and I'm always uh, like, that's right, I just rap the whole song. <laughs> <laughs> but then like I don't know if like the booty thing triggered that song. I was like, oh, I haven't heard that in a while and I listened to it, I was like, yes. <laughs> this is me. Gets the people going and gets me going. <laughs> um, uh, well thank you so much for meeting um, and just sharing your experiences and thoughts and I know like it's nice being able to speak with other athletes of different sports and I'm not as familiar with what you did but still have the same experiences mm -hmm. so thank you. No thank you I think it's really cool that you're bringing light to um, you know a variety of issues through this podcast and I think it's fun for everyone who's on here to talk about their experience, but also like hopefully help people um, that are listening to this to be like, hey, we all don't have it figured out. We're all, if you're an athlete, you're not an athlete, whatever, no one knows what the hell we're doing. <laughs> um, and we all just have like a unique shared experience that hopefully makes it um, feel like more of a community. Thanks, love. <laughs>